Welcome to Talk Truth, a McGregor podcast where we dive into scripture, gain insight from community, and biblically answer life questions. Talk Truth will answer life questions submitted by our listeners every other week. If you have a question for Talk Truth, you can submit your questions on our website. I'm your host, Chloe Weimer. Let's open the word, gather together, and talk some truth. joined by Bob Vanderwilt, a fellow member at McGregor Baptist Church here in Fort Myers, Florida. He is a life group teacher. He is a Journey Together teacher, and he is just an all-around really awesome, awesome (laughs) guy. So um, thank you for joining me again for this part two. I'll pay you later. (laughs) I mean, hey, it helps. It's been my pleasure. This (laughs) first session was really... Really, I think if interesting and enjoyable to do. I hope I hope everybody that viewed it might find it the same way. I hope it might be informational. It might be somewhat inspiring and and uh, optimistic. So yeah, I, I appreciate the honor to to continue that. If you are listening to this and you did not catch that part one, we talked about defending the faith, and so that word in big theological terms <laughs> is apologetics, and so. Apologetics, Bob Bob brought together this awesome illustration of a tripod, and that tripod is resting on the foundation. The foundation is our faith, and tri, meaning three, right? There are three legs. We talked about what apologetics is and why we use it, and in this episode, we're going to be talking about the how, and so the tripod is supporting our worldview, and your worldview is the lens through which you see the world. And so you're going to have to defend your faith uh, based on the things that you are, are dealing with in the in the public square and um, questions such as origin, meaning, morality, destiny. Yeah. So if you didn't catch that episode, go ahead back to the part one and listen to it because it really, it, I, I believe it was helpful. It was helpful for me. And I've, I've studied apologetics for a couple of years now. And so I, I'm always learning something new. So... Thank you. Amen. We all are, aren't we? (laughs) Hopefully. Oh, definitely. (laughs) So before we handle the word, let's open up in a short prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you that you have revealed yourself in the word and that we can run to you in the highs and the lows of life and in the mundane. Thank you that you've revealed truth to us. And I just ask that you help us um, just grow closer to you and apply um, what we talk about and Um, what we have learned in the word to our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So we have established that apologetics is a command. We've we've read it in the Bible, God's word, what what he has said is true, but how how do we do it? Mm Mm-hmm. And so that's a very, that's a big question. So I'm not just going to be like, how do we do it? (laughs) But I guess we did talk about how apologetics is more of like a bridge to the gospel. It's, it's opening doors. It's, it's hopefully softening hearts. Well, we don't soften the hearts, but the Holy Spirit does, but it's a way to open conversations. But what's the difference between evangelism and apologetics? Um, and before, I guess, I'm sorry, I'm talking so much, but no, before, no, 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 no. before we dive into what evangelism is, um, I want to define what the gospel is. Good, and this is, this is a highly, this, this is something that can be messed up very easily. You can gloss over truths. You can, you can accidentally leave something out, you know? And, um, I have 
learned that the best way for me to remember when I am sharing the gospel with somebody is, oh, and by the way, sharing the gospel is a command also, not just apologetics, but sharing the gospel is a command, Matthew 28. And so, um, God, man, Christ response, God, man, Christ response. When I, when I think through those four things, it's very helpful for me, um, to get everything out in the gospel, the gospel narrative. Mm -hmm. And so the definition of the gospel, and I've just kind of summed this up, but our holy God created us for his glory. And so we should seek to glorify him in everything. But we as humans fall short of his glory. If you look back to the garden, Adam and Eve, Eve fell into sin, and so that curse has been placed on all humanity, and we are left here in in the fall, in the midst of it. Therefore, because our God is holy, and we are not, we deserve eternal punishment. But God proves His love in that while we were yet sinners, He sent His only Son, Jesus, to die for us so that we might have eternal life with Him and be reconciled in our relationship to the Father that was broken uh, because of the fall. Therefore, eternal life is a free gift for those who repent, keyword repent, and place their faith in Christ as their Savior and the Lord of their lives. And we're commanded to share that truth, but there's a difference between defending the faith and evangelism. And so can you help me unpack the difference between defending the faith and evangelism? Well, let me share a couple of thoughts that may help in unpacking that, and I invite you to jump in and and uh, clarify what may be fuzzy thinking. Uh, (laughs) Matt Slick from the Christian Apologetics Research Ministry has offered some comments, two or three comments about the distinction. Let me, let's start with that and see if that, if if his comments make sense in terms of delineating the two. He suggests that where apologetics aims to secure consent, in other words, we're attempting to, to come to a common agreement. Yeah. Evangelism seeks to secure commitment. So the distinction that he's making is that apologetics aims to, se- to secure consent and evangelism commitment, where you commit yourself to. Hmm. Uh, he also earlier noted that apologetics begins the conversation Okay, and evangelism brings it to its conclusion. Yeah, it brings somebody to that repentance. Yeah, yeah, it brings somebody to faith. And he offered one other thought: uh, apologetics is conversational. We're talking about that. Mm-hmm. Okay, where evangelism is invitational. You're being invited to accept Christ as your Lord and Savior. Where. Uh, Apologetics is the conversation that precedes that oftentimes and therefore is labeled pre-evangelism. Mm-hmm. So those would be the, the, the three distinctions. Let me do them really quickly again. Apologetics seem, uh, aims to secure consent and um, evangelism seeks to secure commitment. Uh, apologetics is conversational and evangelism is invitational. So there's a distinction there. Yeah. And before, when we talked about those, those four, the origin, meaning, morality, and destiny, if somebody says like, who am I? Where did I come from? We can answer that question even philosophically by saying like, well, 
there, if let's just say there's a chair in a room, like somebody had to put that chair there in order for that, for that chair to be in existence, you know, but that philosophical answer doesn't answer or doesn't lead somebody to repentance. It's just kind of like help. It's, it's, it's a bridge to sharing the gospel. It's answering an intellectual question that a person has that connects to the gospel, but it's not, it's not sharing the faith. It's just, it's not soliciting a commitment from the other person. Yeah. 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 And, and really it's easy to answer philosoph. It's easier, I think, to answer philosophical questions than it is to share the gospel because sharing the gospel means like you're, you're telling somebody that they need to repent. You're telling some, somebody that there's something wrong with them, you know? Yeah. And I think that that's, what's hard for people is, is that sometimes when they're practicing apologetics, they think that they're sharing the gospel, but it's, it's just the bridge. It's not, it's not yeah. actually doing what it's yeah. a part of it, It's a part of answering the command that God has given us, but it's not fully yeah. doing it. So it's engaging in the apologetics is engaging in the conversation mm-hmm. where evangelism is, is uh, promoting an argument that, but then ultimately that ends in the commitment of the other person uh, making a decision about Christ. Yeah. Yeah. So, in, in defending the faith, what are some of the issues that we are called upon to defend? Well, my response to that would be to go back to the contents of, of our Journey Together class in apologetics. Mm-hmm. And those topics which, we're gonna, which we examined in that class and are going to continually be asked about as we practice apologetics are... Five or six things. The first thing we looked at, and the first thing that is probably the first thing in order, is the existence of God, is the question about the existence of God. Do you believe that there is a God or many gods? What do you believe about God? Mm -hmm. The existence of God is the first thing. The second thing we addressed was then, the second issue, was then the, the question of the validity and reliability of the Bible. Yeah. Because we claim the Bible to be God's word. So if, in fact, we acknowledge there is a God and the Bible is God's word, then how do we, how do we provide evidence that, in fact, it's valid and reliable? Yeah. So that would be the second issue. The third issue is then the historicity of Jesus. And uh, that's, a, that's a whole class in itself, obviously. Yeah. All of these are, yeah. yeah. But the existence of God, and secondly, the reliability and validity of the Bible. The third issue is the historicity of Jesus. The fourth, the fourth issue would be what's the historical support for the resurrection? Our faith re- re- pivots on the resurrection. Mm-hmm. So we need to examine the evidence to support that. One of the great, wonderful books that, uh, that helps with that is Gary Habermas has written a, um, a book entitled uh, The Case for the Resurrection, and he uses what he calls a minimal facts theory, which he takes, he, he gathers all the facts about the resurrection from believers, scholars, non-believers, skeptics. Yeah. And he, and he has five different uh, conclusions about mm-hmm. that, which, which deal with the historical support of the resurrection. He's also now finishing, I think he's, I don't know when it's going to come out, a, about a 5,000-page magnum opus mm-hmm. on the, resur- the historical facts and the historicity of, 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 the, of the resurrection, which is going to be great. Yeah, that's awesome. It's incredible. So anyway, uh, the issues. 
the existence of God, the validity and reliability of the Bible, the historicity of Jesus, the historical support of the resurrection, and then, going back to your basketball metaphor in, in, in our first part series, understanding other worldviews, understanding the opposition, understanding the other positions, in order that we, in understanding them, can interact and, and point out either logical fallacies, factual uh, inconsistencies, or whatever. Yeah. So I was going to ask you which one we should start studying first, but the more that I just like heard you, I think that you'll have to correct me if I'm wrong. But if we start with that, if we could get somebody to understand that there is a God, then we can get them to understand that the Bible is reliable. And then we can get them to understand that Jesus was a real historical person that is still alive today, which also points to the resurrection. And then if you can nail down your own faith then you're going to be able to love others well, and by doing so, you're going to be asking them those questions and understanding what they believe. So the first thing that we should be studying, if you're like, I don't know where to begin. Apologetics is so big. I want to learn how to defend my faith. Start with the existence of God, you know, and that's, I think that's the the best thing, but I could also understand listening to this where it's, it's just intimidating, or maybe you're thinking of that one really an intellectual person that just like challenges you and thinks that you're dumb for, for <laughs> believing what you believe, which is not true. Don't let anybody tell you that. Um, but I understand that it's intimidating and I have failed a lot in doing it. I will say though, that I've failed the most I felt like a failure the most when I chose to not defend the faith or when I've chosen to, to not share the gospel. That's been my biggest failure. Um, but do you have any like real stories of, of your apologetics? (laughs) I do, but I'd like to defer because I think it fits in later in our discussion. Can I defer? Oh yeah. Okay. Shoot me down. (laughs) No, no, I don't want to do that. But, but, but I think when we get into the, 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 the nuts and bolts of how to, Mm -hmm. I, I have a personal story that, that I can share in terms of how I tried to do it and how I, uh, failed or didn't get the anticipated result. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to put a pin in that one. Okay. Were you going to say something? Yeah, what, what, can I say something? <laughs> <laughs> you mentioned the f- place to start, in, particularly in a class, might be the existence of God. Yeah, yeah. Well, R.C. Sproul will reinforce your, your position on it. In his book, Defending the Faith, Defending Your Faith, an Introduction to Apologetics, he says, I take the position, this is R.C. Sproul now, I take the position that the best starting point for apologetics is with the existence of God. If we can establish the existence of God first, then all other issues of apologetics become easier to defend. Hmm. That's so, good. Well, it, it helps me to, to say, okay, if I'm gonna if I'm gonna organize and facilitate a class in apologetics, where do you start? There will be some who say you start with the resurrection. I get that. I I happen to subscribe to Sproul's suggestion that you start first of all with the, with the existence of God. That's the first issue. Yeah. If you don't believe, if we can't get by that, then then the Bible has no. That's an irrelevant discussion. If you can't get past God, Jesus is an irrelevant discussion. If you can't get by the God, but okay, you get the point. Yeah. I won't belabor it. <laughs> love R.C. Sproul. I love yeah. that guy. Yeah. Too bad. Too soon. <laughs> he was pretty old though. He he was he was up there. I think. I'm pretty sure. He, yeah, he was. I I don't know what age, but yeah. (laughs) Okay. So, um, the best way to practice it 
we kind of touched on it a little bit in the last episode, but by asking questions. And so can you unpack that a little bit more for me? I'll try. I'm going to go back to Sproul for a minute since yeah. we both like Sproul. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> in, that, in that same book, Defending Your Faith and Introduction to Apologetics, he, say, he emphasizes the need to practice, which will be a good entree into how do, how do we do that. He says, in the end, good apologetics is all about practice, both in a sense of doing something as opposed to just thinking about it, mm -hmm. and doing it regularly so you get better at it. Now listen to this one. You can't learn apologetics by reading books or attending classes. Hmm. It's a skill, not just a matter of acquiring information. So he's emphasizing the practice part of it, which leads then into our discussion about, well, what's that conversation look like? How do you how do you how do you get at that? How do you uh, how do you practice that? Yeah. But I liked Sproul's notion. It was a very convicting thought on the one hand because I like to go to classes, I like to participate in classes, I yeah. like to read, and he's saying it's about practice. That's it. Don't can't forget that. So we're really almost directed to take what we have gleaned from that first tripod leg mm -hmm. what is apologetics the second one why is it important and now third and the one of the th uh, how do we do it and one of the elements of the third leg of the tripod is in fact uh, to practice yeah so how do you practice well that step one i would say not seclude yourself with only christians mm. you know yeah. It's, it's very easy to get in that, that mindset where like you're only hanging out with your church people <laughs> yeah. or, or the people that, that understand you. But I, if, if we're commanded to share the gospel, then we need to, and we're also commanded to, def, to defend the faith. We need to be not waiting for these opportunities to happen in the public's line, you know, but like yeah. creating the opportunity in the public's line. Yes. And that is... That's God's sovereignty just as much as something happening to you randomly, yeah. what seems randomly, you know, if, if you are seeking out the conversations, that's, that's what Paul did, yeah. you know, he, right. he sought people out. And so if you feel like you don't have anybody, then that's a problem. We should be in community to some extent with, with people who aren't thinking exactly like us. Yeah, that's really good. Uh, I think one of the things that I've experienced is if we listen well, we'll, we'll hear somebody saying in just a casual conversation, making reference to some pretty serious issues. And if we listen well, that, those will be clues to guide us in the conversation. Mm. That's not an original thought on my part. It basically comes from William, uh, uh, Norm Geisler's book, Conversational Evangelism. Mm. And he gives us some clues as to how to begin that conversation. And the other thing about beginning the conversation is one of my favorite things to read and to reread is a, a book by uh, Gregory Kokel. Uh, I love that book. Uh, Tactics. Yeah. A game plan for discussing your Christian convictions. So good, I, I think. And we can get into what he, what his point of view is, if if if, if that's appropriate. But, yeah. Well, and well, I've read that book too, and and I love how he talks about how asking questions and like like you just said, listening well is the 
the best thing to do. And we see that, I mean, the disciples just felt like they could ask Jesus anything, you know? Yes. Um, but I love how Jesus also teaches by asking questions. He, yeah. he, it's a very rabbi thing to do, you know? Um, but because he is God, you know, they, they are characterized and they act in the same way because they're the same person. And God even did that in the garden. When Adam and Eve sinned, God says, where are you? And then when he, well, he knew that they were hiding. It's not like he didn't know the answer to the question, you know? Um, But it was his loving kindness that led them to repentance, you know? And that's what apologetics is. It's asking questions that sometimes we already know the answer to based on the, like knowing the other person's worldview, but it's leading them to kind of figure out the answer to the question in themselves. They can kind of see that their own, um, their own fallacies in, in their line of thinking. Oh, I love the word fallacies. I wanna, I, before we conclude this session, we got to come back to that that word, okay? <laughs> but yeah, no, I think yeah. I, I'm, uh, there's some there's some really let's let's play with the idea of questions for a minute. Can we do that? Yeah. Coco suggests that the reason there's four or five reasons why we in fact should be doing this, asking questions. And the reasons that he suggests are important in raising questions are, first of all, that sincere questions, not, not manipulative questions, sincere questions hmm. are friendly and flattering. If you ask me a question and I sense it's secure, I'm going to feel flattered that you're, asking, that you're concerned about me and you're concerned about my response. Yeah. The second reason to use questions is you'll get an education. When you ask me the question of what do you mean by that, you're going to learn if I respond Boy, I think I would. You're going to learn a lot about that person's position and that person's uh, maybe even history. Yeah. You're going to learn a lot about that person. So it's a source of education. Another reason to use questions, it allows you to make progress on a point without being pushy. Mm-hmm. And therefore, it, 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 asking a sincere question is, in fact, a way to avoid becoming or soliciting somebody to be defensive. You're going yeah. to avoid defensiveness uh, by asking a sincere, uh, non-defensive And last, it's just non-threatening. To ask a question is not threatening. Yeah. If I ask you the first, if you make a statement and I ask you the first question that Greg Kokel suggests we use, that being, well, what do you mean by that? Now, I, that's the first question. Now, I can... I can sh- I can state that question in a threatening way, in a threatening way. Like, what do you mean by that? Mm-hmm. As opposed to saying, you know, I, I'm sorry, I don't quite understand. What, what do you What do you mean? Can you elaborate that for me? That's non-threatening. Yeah. And it's a flattering statement in terms of I'm seeking more information from you, and what I'm going to get is more information from you, which is going to lead the conversation to a couple of other questions that are incredibly significant. The first question is, what do you mean by that? The second question is, well, okay, how did you come to that conclusion? Mm-hmm. And that's gonna give you more information. Yeah. And the third question is gonna to be to follow that up when, when you sense that it's appropriate, is to, ask, is, to, is to ask the question, well, okay, I get it. What evidence are you using to support that position? Yeah. So I've asked the question, what do you mean? How did you reach that conclusion? What evidence do you have? 
all can be done in a non-threatening way that's giving you a lot of information to lead this evangelical or evangelistic, excuse me, evangelistic conversation. And then finally, the last question is, I, I really, I understand now that, thank you, I, I appreciate that, and I, and I respect that. Um, would you be open? I have some different thoughts about some of those things. Would you be open to hearing my thoughts and we can interact, we can engage in a dialogue about that? Not a debate, yeah. but dialogue. Yeah, and from there, like that's where the gospel will be shared. Bingo. And so it's it's fulfilling that command. You wanted to talk about fallacies, though, if you, if you want to... Oh, can I go back? I, I said I was going to defer, and I'm afraid I'm going to lose it if I defer. Go for it. Okay. You asked me what you asked me about an instance where I tried to use an apologetic interaction and blah blah blah. Mm -hmm. Well, I was speaking with a with a with a friend uh, some time ago who is of the Jewish persuasion, and I engaged in these in these questions. Well, what do you mean by that? How'd you reach the conclusion? Um, what evidence do you have? And he had evidence, he had a conclusion, et cetera. And so the last question I said, well, I have some different thoughts about that. Um, would you be interested in, in hearing those? Could, could I share those? And he emphatically said, no. Hmm. So it shut down right there. So yeah. you could say, well, that conversation was a failure and I viewed it at the time as a failure, but then upon further reflection, it seemed to me, I don't know what the Holy Spirit might have done yeah. or be doing. So the conclusion I came to was, I don't know that. I raised some questions. And if that person has to deal with those questions about what do you mean, how, clarify it, what do you mean, what's your evidence? Uh, then the conversation could be, in fact, uh, a positive conversation. Yeah, definitely. My initial reaction was that it failed because I couldn't share with him my thoughts as if they were really important. Yeah. Uh, and the other, the other conclusion to that, to that illustration is we, we remain really good friends. I mean, we did not, it did not get to a point of, of, of an adversarial relationship mm -hmm. about the issue. Because you respected him, like First Peter 3.15 says. And he, me. All yeah. I did was ask questions. I didn't tell him that Jesus was or wasn't the Messiah. Yeah. I didn't, I didn't okay. But yeah. I, I thought it was a failure at first. I'm not sure it was a failure. And I think any time we begin to use the, an apologetic method or a defense of our faith, we have to be optimistic that the Holy Spirit will do with that conversation what yeah. he wants. And I think if, I'm a competitive person, <laughs> so <laughs> if you have competitive tendencies, then winning the argument that God exists or that the Bible is reliable <laughs> yeah. is a huge temptation, yeah. you know? Oh, yeah. And we see, well, I, I don't want to say we, I have seen my pride come out, you know, yes. in, in wanting to be right more than I've actually wanted to get to the point where I'm sharing the gospel with them, yeah. you know? Right. And so I think when you realize that your heart is just not in the right place with that, slow down, you know, yeah. and, and ask the Holy Spirit, like, why am I doing this? Is, is my motive off? Am I, am I wanting to win more than I'm wanting to be obedient and to love people? I would go back to the distinction between debate and uh, dialogue and what you described in wanting to win. That's the debate. I want to beat that argument. 
Mm-hmm. I want to beat that down because if I beat that down, then I'm the winner. Yeah. And and the, as I said, the root of the word debate is uh, uh, is to beat down. Or dialogue, the Greek root of that, dia is through. Logos is the word. And through the word, we engage in an interaction that, in fact, leads us in a totally different direction than debate. Hmm. And I think I have to remind myself of that. I'm, I'm, in using this how-to or this series of questions, I'm really trying to, in fact, engage in a, re, in, a, in, a, in a relationship that we can learn from each other through the word and not try to... To win an argument. Yeah. So this is a really intimidating task, defending the faith. And sometimes it's these great. questions, <laughs> that's, that's the great. optimistic attitude we need. Oh, it's great. <laughs> but but can, you can't, I mean, if you ask those questions, how can you fail? Ex- yeah. What do you mean by that? Why are you asking me? No, I mean, it's non-threatening. And furthermore, you're in the driver's seat in the conversation. Yeah. Somebody could say, true, okay, yeah. prove to me that there's a God. Well, now I'm on the defensive. Mm-hmm. If I say, well, and if that were to be posed, I could say, well, what do you mean by that? Mm-hmm. Now I'm in control of the conversation and they're in, okay, you get the point. No, yeah, it does leave you in control. That should be encouraging to our listeners. You well, know, it's if optimistic. You feel, yeah, if you feel like you just don't know how to do it, just... Ask for more information. Yes, just keep asking. <laughs> yeah. And then eventually they're probably going to ask you, what do you think? And you then, know? then you also, all of a sudden have jumped down to the fourth question. Uh, you know, would you like to hear what my thoughts are? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, ama- it's an amazing process and it takes some practice, but it's really fun to do. Yeah. Uh-huh. I'm, uh, I'm also much more op- open to opening up to somebody who's asked me about myself more than me going up to somebody and just saying like, yeah, this is what I believe. Or, you know what I mean? So yeah. I can putting myself in that person's shoes. It's, well, it's helpful. You, you can tr- you can contrast this sort of approach to uh, somebody standing on a street corner telling, "I want to tell everybody about Jesus." Yeah. Uh, two different approaches, and I'm not making a judgment about either one of them, but I'm just saying that, in fact, in using an apologetic method whereby you are asking questions to gather information to share that, that's a different thing. Yeah. You mentioned fallacies. Do we have time to go? Mentioned fallacies? Yeah, go for it. You can. I'll just mention it really quickly. Jason Lyle's written a little book, Logic and Faith. I think it's one of the great books. And when we're dealing with people who are being specifically high school students going to college, being challenged on their beliefs, they need to understand the discipline of logic. What makes up a logical argument and what are the logical fallacies that they're going to face in in uh, attacks on their faith? So that's, that's all. Yeah, t- t- teaching them how to identify circular reasoning and oh, bingo. yeah, and it, it's like we talked about it a little bit in the last episode. Like higher thought doesn't necessarily when when especially I tell my kids all the time, my students, when you go to college, you are going to be looked down upon because there's this quote unquote critical thinking, and you're not using your brain if you have faith and. There, I, I know so. I went to a Christian college, but I know so many friends who were either challenged in their faith sure. to the point where they just they they didn't care and they kind of went with the crowd, or they felt really really lonely. And so, equipping your students is, I mean, well, your children is sure. a huge thing. And so, huge. I hope that's an encouragement to huge. 
parents out there, but, um, ultimately with apologetics, um, the, yes, we need to use our minds and be, be proactive, but the battle is the Lord's and we are simply his instruments. And that is a huge relief, you know, to the (laughs) times that we fail, remembering that God is sovereign. That's just the best thing. And and it takes the weight off of our shoulders because ultimately we don't save them. God does. And so Bob, thank you so much for joining me on this two-part episode. We've talked about a lot from an aerial view from 10,000 feet above. Um, But I really hope that the listeners feel encouraged to ask questions, to, to have some conversations that are are tough, um, but to also not feel as intimidated as they did before. Maybe pick up one of the books that he's, he's suggested. Um, And to our listeners, we want to know what have you learned from today's episode? How has God challenged you and how will you apply what you have learned? Thank you for spending your time with us. And Bob, thank you again. If you haven't connected with us online, check us out on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube, and be sure to check out our other McGregor podcast channels. Just head over to talktruthpodcast.com for all of the details. We'd love to hear from you. Write us a review, however you're listening to this, and be on the lookout for a new episode every other week. Thanks for listening and remember to talk truth.